So I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about compassion today. Compassion is one of the four sublime abidings, the sublime attitudes of the heart, along with loving kindness, appreciation, and equanimity. So these are qualities of the heart that as human beings, uh, we have, we have these qualities. Uh, they're part of our goodness as human beings. So there is compassion in the heart. Our task, of course, is to cultivate it, is to cultivate it. We all have compassion in the heart, uh, uh, but it has to be cultivated. It has to be cultivated. Uh, if we don't cultivate the compassion in the heart, it basically will lie dormant. Uh, and it's like a garden, you know, if you think about cultivating, you know, if you don't cultivate a garden, if you don't cultivate plants, if you don't make sure the plants have water and sunlight and fertilizer, they'll die. Uh, the heart is the same way. The heart has to be cultivated. The heart has to be cultivated. This is an extremely important point uh, and often misunderstood. Uh, there's this notion that just naturally we're compassionate. We have the capacity to be compassionate towards ourselves and others. We have the capacity for compassion, but it has to be developed and cultivated. We have an extraordinary capacity for compassion, but it has to be cultivated. You know, what that means is, uh, of course, and at this point in the discourse, I will, I will bring forth the E word. Uh, you know, what that means is we have to make effort. A certain degree of effort goes into, it's effort and determination, effort that we apply over a period of time goes into the cultivation of compassion. The Buddha, the Buddha defines effort as the effort that we make, uh, the energy that we put towards abandoning what's unskillful and cultivating what's skillful. So in developing compassion, we're putting effort towards cultivating what's skillful. You know, so that the path is essentially to abandon the unskillful, uh, which is essentially aversion and desire, and to cultivate the skillful, compassion, loving-kindness, appreciation, equanimity. So a good question, a good question for us uh, to ask and to consider as we think about our practice and our lives is how much effort do we make to cultivate compassion? How much effort do we put toward cultivating compassion? So that's a really good question. Uh, another good question, which follows on the first question, is do we follow the Buddha's instructions for cultivating compassion? Do we follow the Buddha's? And there, you know, there may be other instructions that are out there as well. Uh, but as, as somebody who follows the Dharma, you know, the question that I ask myself and, you know, and I'm constantly seeking to refine my understanding uh, in terms of what the Buddha's instructions are. Uh, uh, 
So the question that I'm asking is, am I following the Buddha's steps? The Buddha always offers step-by-step instruction. So, you know, we oftentimes uh, think about, you know, the need for compassion for ourselves and others, and we may lament, uh, you know, that we're not able to connect to these qualities of compassion. Uh, But uh, it may be that we're not making the effort Maybe that we're not making the effort. It may be that we're not applying the skills. I've often uh, mentioned how the Buddha expressed this propensity that we have as human beings for perhaps wanting awakening, wanting these qualities of the heart, wanting the qualities of the wisdom of wisdom, but we're not putting in the effort, and we're not putting whatever effort we may be making into applying the skills appropriately. The Buddha said that was like you know, squeezing the horns of a cow and, ex- and expecting to get milk. You know? So are we squeezing the horns of the cow and expecting milk? I think the, our, our acronym of ABC offers a good uh, a good model, a very simple model for cultivating compassion, really for abandoning and cultivating, right? Abandoning and cultivating. In the A part, we're abandoning, uh, you know, to what extent we can by bringing awareness to our experience. We're abandoning clinging, aversion, desire. Uh, And in the B and C parts, we're cultivating the qualities of the breath, equanimity, and compassion. So we bring awareness to our experience. It may be very simple, very subtle, as we talked about last week. Uh, Simple experiences of dukkha, experiences when the heart is blocked. Uh, Maybe simple experiences of dis-ease, a simple anxiety. Am I going to get the computer up and running by 10 a.m. to get to the class today? you know, worrying about something that you have to do tomorrow or, or what's going to happen on Thanksgiving or whatever, uh, uh, or some aversion towards somebody that you're feeling or some desire for something that you don't have. Maybe something large, but it's often very subtle, some subtle form of dis-ease, uh, some subtle form of dis-ease, uh, disappointment, whatever it is. Uh, so we're learning to bring a simple awareness, right? Our practice of abandoning in large part, uh, particularly off the cushion, is one of bringing a simple awareness to what's arisen in that moment and just feel it in the body as a felt sense, right? Uh, so when we do that in that two seconds, 1.5 seconds, one second, 0.75 seconds, that we're bringing awareness, you know, if it's confusion or disappointment or sadness or worry or anxiety or whatever it is, in that one or two seconds, we bring a simple awareness to it. Uh, we create a little bit of space, and in that space, to the degree that there is some space, uh, we begin to develop the perception of dukkha, the perception of dukkha, right? So. You know, that perception is, is gradually developed over time, but you know, you feel that, oh, there's disappointment, 
you know, and as you bring your awareness to that, there's the perception of, of dukkha, the heart's blocked when I'm holding on to that feeling of disappointment or worry or anxiety or fear. We're not analyzing our experience, right? We're not analyzing our experience. Oh, I'm feeling disappointment because of, you know, what happened when I was a kid, you know, dad didn't show up with the tickets to the ball game, whatever it was. Uh, uh, we're just bringing awareness to the experience of dukkha, but in doing that, there's that perception of dukkha, right? There's the perception that the heart is blocked. This is skillful perception. Now, to a large extent, you don't have to even say that, right? I mean, certainly if you're, if, you're, if you're steeped in the Buddha's teaching, you understand a perception is a perception. You know, there's, there's the perception of the cup, the mug. You know, it's like I look at this mug. Uh, I wonder how the people on, on when they listen to the, the taped recordings, you know, 20 years from now, if they'll, I should have little pictures of the mug, right? The famous mug. You know, it's like when you look at the mug, you have the perception, oh, that's a, a coffee mug. You know it's not a wine goblet, right? You know, we're all, we're all uh, sophisticated beings. We know that this is a mug, right? We want to develop that kind of same sophistication in terms of what we're bringing our awareness to. So there's just a simple awareness of the experience and the perception of dukkha, right? The perception that the heart is blocked. You don't even have to think about it. I mean, if you're newer, maybe you want to, you, there's a word or two, oh, there's dukkha, the heart's blocked. But gradually it's, you know, I mean, I always use the example of a botanist. You know, a botanist is trained to identify what plant is what. I have a friend who, he's not a botanist, but he works a lot in gardens and things like that, you know, and I'll be walking with him and we'll go on a hike and he'll say, oh, that's this, that's that, that's that. It's like, it's a weed, what are you talking about, you know? But, but, he, but he can identify it that way. The Duke is even simpler. It's like, yeah, the heart's blocked. I mean, you kind of know that. So you bring awareness to the experience of anxiety, of worry. I mean, it's an important part of the perception, you know? But again, it, it, when there's awareness, it's an important part of the awareness, but when there's awareness, there's, you know, and, and there's enough space, it's intuitive. So we understand that the heart is blocked in that moment when we're engaging in aversion, worry, dissatisfaction, disappointment, confusion, etc. So, you know, this is all, you know, sort of what underlies that very simple, you know, as I always like to say, simple practice for complicated people. A simple, the simple practice, I mean, that means all of us, not just the 23 beings who are here today. Uh, so, you know, this is sort of what underlies that bringing awareness to an experience, you know. We're bringing awareness to it, and there's the perception that the heart is blocked, right? So that's just for a second or two. We bring awareness to the experience of dukkha, if it's dissatisfaction or confusion or anxiety, and then we go to the breath, right, after a second or two. And the breath is like a resting place for the mind, right? So we're separating. I mean, this is another whole Dharma talk, but you know, one of the things that I've talked to people a lot about lately is, you know, you know, when you bring awareness to an experience, even in the meditation, when you might be spending a little more time with it, uh, you know, you know, if you're on a retreat like we had yesterday or whatever, uh, you know, you're not dwelling on the emotion that you're holding on to. 
you know, maybe there's an awareness for a few seconds and then you're separating from it. But people have this idea that, you know, we're just supposed to be with it. Being with it means I'm just with it completely. No, you're with it for a couple of seconds and then you put your mind somewhere else. Now we're developing the ability to put our mind somewhere else. That's what we just did over the last half hour other than the part when we did metta, uh, compassion practice today. Uh, we're learning to be able to put our mind you know, in, a, in a, on a resting place. You know, with spit. so we have so we have separation from the dukkha, the dukkha. You know, your capacity to be with it is you know a second or two, without becoming enmeshed in it. So we have this resting place for the mind, which is the breath. There's ease there. We go to the breath if we find that easeful breath, or if we're you know the breath is developed enough through our practice. Uh, you know, we connect to a breath and it's a somewhat easeful breath that brings the central nervous system into a state of regulation. And there's that quality of equanimity, the concentration quality of equanimity. So, uh, so, there's, so when there's equanimity uh, and we have that little bit of space from the experience of dissatisfaction or worry or sadness or whatever, uh, you know, we're, we're in a non-reactive state, right? It's a non-reactive state. So, you know, we're able to kind of separate out, oh, there's, there's disappointment, you know, that my delivery didn't come today, Amazon didn't come today, you know, or they brought the wrong thing. Oh, there's disappointment, right? You know, this is called a, a middle-class Dharma talk, you know, there's, you know, so there's disappointment. I feel that we go to the breath, you know, uh, and you know, there's there's a quality of non-reactivity, uh, so it's not like oh, this disappointment. I'm always feeling disappointment, or why do I, you know, and, you know, or you know, and there's space, right? You know, there's space, there's acceptance. So okay, there's just this disappointment. There's some space. There's a non-quality of non-reactivity. There's a quality of acceptance, acceptance of the disappointment you know, acceptance of the feeling of disappointment. Disappointment is here in the heart, you know. Uh, I have some space and we're able to relate to the disappointment or the dissatisfaction or the anxiety with what we call the heightened mind. Right? So this is an important term in Buddhism, the heightened mind, to have a heightened mind. It's sort of like, you know, our mind is like sort of one of the metaphors the Buddha used is like on a tower, right? We're looking at our experience. Another metaphor he used is like one person looking at another, or a person standing looking at a person sitting. So there's the quality of having this vantage point, right? There's from this heightened mind. When we go to the breath, we're heightening the mind. We're heightening the mind. There's that feeling of disappointment. We go to the breath, we're heightening the mind. We have a heightened mind. There's space. We have a heightened mind. And from the heightened mind, we cultivate compassion. So without a heightened mind, uh, there's going to be reactivity, uh, and you know there's going to be an emotional response, uh, and we're not able to really cultivate compassion. So the heightened mind enables us to cultivate compassion. So the cultivation of compassion really has two steps. So from the heightened mind, we remember that we have a wish to be free from suffering. We have a wish to be free from dukkha, right? I have a wish to be free from uh, this clinging uh, that I'm engaging in, in 
and, and, and grasping onto this feeling of disappointment or worry or anger or aversion. So uh, we remember our wish to be free from dukkha, uh, to be free from clinging, to be free from aversion and desire. So how do you remember? You remember by using fabrication, right? We talk about this all the time. So uh, you have to use some kind of fabrication to remember that you have a wish to be free from dukkha, to have a wish to be free from suffering. Might be very, very simple. Might be a very, very simple fabrication. Uh, might even just be a word or a part of a word. Uh, but you have to remember your wish to be free from suffering. Most of us don't remember. Most of us don't remember. So this is really where a lot of effort, a lot of effort, you know, this quality of effort in terms of cultivating goes into fabrication. So it's that little bit of fabrication that you're engendering that really supports your ability to cultivate compassion. Uh, so uh, so you, you remember that you have a wish to be free from dukkha. I, I, I really encourage you to use that word dukkha when you're doing A, B, C, or at least some word that connotes what dukkha is, which is the heart is blocked. Yeah, the heart is blocked. So even when I'm just engaging in that little bit of disappointment around, oh, my package didn't come, you know, I got the wrong pan for the turkey, you know, that kind of a thing, right? Why, you know, you go to, you know, uh, Reve and they don't have the right pan, but they're not going to have that in Germany, are they? They're not going to have pans for, well, they might have pans for turkey, even though they don't do Thanksgiving, right? So, in any case, you know, it, it, it's important, you know, and again, much of this has to be done in a very simple way, but we're developing, you know, this skill, so it's fluid. Uh, yeah, that disappointment, you know, they don't have the right pan for the turkey, or my package didn't come, there's dukkha. The heart is blocked, right? The heart is blocked. There's that little bit of aversion to that person on the tram or on the subway, right? The heart is blocked. You know, there's that little bit of anxiety that I'm feeling about, you know, the tram is late, the subway is late, I'm not gonna be there. You know, the heart is blocked. The heart is blocked. And that's the perception of suffering that's essential to the development of compassion and the development of wisdom vis-a-vis -vis the Four Noble Truths. So, you know, you know, when we're developing this perception, you know, the heart is blocked, you know. So we're developing this perception of uh, the way that we engage in clinging. Clinging leads to the heart being blocked. We're developing this perception to the aversion or desire that we cling to. You know, this is what had, you know, there's some form of aversion or desire that I'm clinging to. And the heart is blocked. So there's remembering our wish to be free from suffering, but of course that is, it's, I'm really breaking down, and this is what you call deconstructing a skill. I'm really, I'm really breaking it down, you know, for you uh, in this talk. So, you know, there's remembering our wish to be free from dukkha, but that has to include an understanding of what dukkha is, you know? You know, and any time you're working on developing a skill, I mean, you know, the Buddha talked eloquently about this, you know, there's always a little bit of excessive fabrication as you're learning 
you know, it's like when you're learning to hit a tennis ball, it's like I gotta bring the arm back, I gotta move the foot like this, I've gotta point the body this way, you know, and it's a little awkward, but you know, gradually, you know, you're like John McEnroe after a few weeks, right? And you're hitting the ball all over the place. You're not thinking about it so much, but at first there's some, some, you know, it's a little awkward because you have to think about it. That's why we have to practice, you know, that's what practice is for. You know, practice makes it fluid. You know, the great athletes, people say, oh, they're so natural. No, they've been, they practice more than anybody else. And be a great Dharma student, you just got to practice more than anybody else. Anybody here can do it, you know? You don't even need to, you know, need quick reflexes like John McEnroe. I'm covering all the bases, Thanksgiving, tennis, you know, we've got it all here today. So the first step is to remember your wish to be free from suffering. And the second is to look into the heart, is to look into the heart. And I, and I, like, I like thinking about it this way. You know, compassion is in the heart. We just have to look into the heart. You know? We just have to look into the heart. So we turn and look into the heart. Oh, there's compassion. You know, so I might say, you know, I have a wish to be free from uh, from suffering. You know, can I have compassion? And I'm not making compassion, I'm not fabricating, you can't fabricate, Fab compassion is an unfabricated state, you can't fabricate compassion, compassion is there, you have to look and see that it's there. You know, our problem oftentimes is we're not looking, or we're not looking in the right place. You know, it's like that old story that we used to tell a lot, you know, sort of the classical Dharma teacher, story of the Sufi fool Nasruddin, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, one day somebody walked down the street and Nasruddin was on his hands and knees on the side of the road. It was at night and uh, they said, Nasruddin, what are you doing on, the, on your hands and knees on the side of the road? And Nasruddin said, I lost my wallet. And the guy said, well, I'll help you find it. And the guy got down on his hands and knees and they're looking in the bushes for the guy's wallet, for Nasruddin's wallet. And then the guy said to Nasruddin, I don't see it here. Are you sure it's here? Did you drop it here? Nasruddin said, no, I dropped it down the street a little bit. So why are we looking here? Because the light's better, Nasruddin said. Mm -hmm. So now that sort of has two meanings, that story. One is we tend to look in the wrong places. But another meaning to that story is we tend to look in the places where there's light. You know? And you know, the heart may be in darkness, so we tend not to look there. So, so much of our practice is to bring light to the heart. So much of our practice is to bring light to the heart, to get to know the heart, you know? That's why the Buddha has us do that right from the beginning in cultivating generosity, to bring light to the heart. So, so much of what we're doing in cultivating is to bring light to the heart, so that when we do drop our wallet, we're able to find it where we dropped it. So looking in the right place, looking in the right place. And then, then it's just a function of discernment. You know, you look and you look, and at first you don't see compassion there. And gradually as you look more and more, you, and, and as we develop more light uh, in that area, as we learn to look in the right place, uh, we more and more are able to discern uh, that quality of that wish that we have to be free from suffering. We're able to discern it in the heart as a felt sense, 
as a felt sense, as a felt sense. So over time, over practice, putting in the effort, we develop discernment, uh, developing clear seeing, develops, developing sensitivity to these qualities in the heart, this felt sense of compassion in the heart. So it's through this gradual, ongoing effort and persistence that we're able to discern the compassion in the heart. So the quality of compassion drives our actions as we move forward. Out of our intention, our wish to be free from suffering, we practice the Dharma. We make an effort to abandon dukkha, to abandon clinging, to abandon aversion and desire, all aversion and desire. The Dharma student's ultimate goal is to abandon all aversion and desire. So another good question for us is, you know, what is our wish to be free from suffering? You know, we may say that we have a wish to be free from suffering, to be free from dukkha, to be free from aversion. But, you know, the mind is, we, we, we have several minds, right? Part of our mind is saying that, and part of our mind is, I'm not giving up my aversion to this, or that, or that group, or that way of doing things, or whatever, right? I'm not giving up my desire for this, that, or the other thing. So we tend to be of several minds. So what gets us past that is compassion. This is why it's so important to develop compassion. You know, the more we develop compassion for ourselves, we're developing our wish to be free from suffering. We're developing our wish to be free from our clinging, to be free from that which blocks the heart. So important that we learn to develop this compassion, this wish to be free from that which blocks the heart, from, to be free from aversion and desire. Out of compassion, we do what we have to do to, free, to be free from dukkha, to have an open heart. We do what we have to do in any moment in terms of whatever is arising that's blocking us from the heart, and we do what we have to do because it's going to be in the service of our long-term freedom. talked about this yesterday. We had a great retreat yesterday, and I talked about this yesterday, and I'll end with it today. Uh, you know, our time is short in which to do this. Our time is short in which to do what we have to do to have a heart that's free, to have a heart that's ridded of its, uh, its uh, stains, if you will, its defilements, as the Thai Ajans would say. Um, you know, so another good question to ask is, you know, how do I want to spend this time? And when I get to the end of this time that I have, what kind of heart do I want to have? When it's time to go, you know, we want our hearts to be free. We want our hearts to be free from that which is afflicting us now, 